Hello, I'm Katie Jarvis. This week, Real Foot Forward is made possible by our friends at William Sausage, the home of authentic country goodness and family-owned and operated since 1958, right here in Tennessee. Welcome to Real Foot Forward from Discovery Park of America, located up here in the corner of beautiful West Tennessee. Every day at our museum in Heritage Park, we inspire children and adults to see beyond. And each week, we do the same thing here on our podcast. On today's episode, Scott sits down with Rusty Robinson, the owner of Rusty's TV and Car Museum in Jackson, Tennessee. And later, join us as we discover something new here at Discovery Park of America. Scott Williams, host of Real Foot Forward, where each week we celebrate our little section of the South. And just like at our museum and heritage park here in Union City, Tennessee, we explore the culture, the spirit, the accomplishments, and the heritage of West Tennessee. The Transportation Gallery at Discovery Park of America is one of our most popular galleries, so I know a lot of people like cars. And even more people love TV and movies. Today's guest is someone who liked all three enough that he created a whole TV and movie car museum in Jackson, Tennessee called Rusty's TV and Movie Car Museum. Rusty Robinson is here with me today, and I cannot wait to talk to you about cars. Thank you so much for for asking me to do this. You bet. So let's let's start with Little Rusty. Okay. (laughs) Decades ago, you... We're a little kid who loved cars. Loved cars. Just, uh, I mean, my mom's got like bulletins from church where if I'm four years old drawing cars on the back of them. I get, it's just something that's, I guess, just in you from the beginning, you know. Eight o'clock on Friday night, Duke's Hazard come on, and that's another thing that like, if you ask somebody from my age group, you know, that's what they were doing on Friday night at eight o'clock was watching Duke's Hazard. So that's a big, and every other TV show, the car was as big of a star as the actors. The General League got more fan mail than the, any of the actors put together. Yeah, I'm a little older than you, so I think my first movie car would have been Herbie the Love Bug. Yeah, Herbie the Love Bug. Uh, there's a, you know, and, and like back then, you know, they played such a big part. And, and watching something like that, you know, or seeing one of the cars, people say it takes them back to their childhood. So that's, you know, and then... Every generation now, the Fast and the Furious, it's probably one of the biggest, which it is Universal's biggest franchise. It's in the billions of dollars now. So, and I'm lucky to have three of those original cars. So, what? So, you're a little kid, you love cars, you start to grow up. Um, I know for me, my first um, car was a great big, gigantic (laughs) orange Ford truck for some reason. Um, What what was your first car that you, you bought? The first thing that I really had was my dad got stuck in the snow one time and he and he was he was a little tight, you know, but he'd got stuck in the snow and he had a two wheel drive truck and he said, If I do anything, I'm gonna buy me a four wheel drive. He said, I wanna smell the paint, burn off the engine just one time on something. <laughs> That's what he said. So he went out and bought him a brand new four wheel drive and one right before I was probably around fourteen or so, he said he was didn't about wore the truck out and he said he was going to get him something else and I could have that four wheel drive. So I took it and fixed it up, painted it, got the seat fixed, you know, and 
at that time, he said, I sure would like to have my truck back after I got it looking good. I said, well, I'll tell you what, if you find me a Mustang, I'll trade you. And so sure enough, he found the 66 Mustang and, and, uh, went out, looked at it and ended up buying it. And, and I still have that car. I still got the four wheel drive truck, but I still got my first, that's the one I drove, started high school and everything was a 66 Mustang. And it was a cool car. And I, there are stories about my dad and cars. If you want to hear a car story about like that, uh, it was just a six cylinder and it, it was just, it was kind of a rough old car, still kind of rough old car. And uh, it was the night of the bonfire at Southside high school. And, and they were across the road from Southside where the Sonic is. Now it used to be a Southgate shopping center. There was a grocery store. And so after the bonfire, I went down there. A lot of people, I guess, hang out in a little spot there. And my, it caught on fire. And I mean, it was like blazing. <laughs> and, and the guy from the, the grocery store come out and he put it out. And all them guys, they were just hammering me. They called it everything you could think <laughs> of. You should just let that piece of crap burn, you know. And my dad pulled up and he was listening to him, you know. And I was really down and out and hauled my car back home and <laughs> worked on it for several weeks. And, you know, I was like doing it myself, patching it because the wires would burn off of it. And and I was getting right ready, you know, to go out because I was tired of sitting around the house. And it was a Saturday night. My dad, he done plumbing work, too. And he said, he said, would you help me? for a little while you know and i said yeah i'll go help you in my car you know might as well and so we went to this house and man it was the sharpest mustang gt you could think of sitting in the front yard and uh, he said i'm gonna go in and see what we need you know to do the job and i said okay and he come back outside he said you like that car i said oh man that thing is sharp he said it's yours wow and man you talking about revenge because <laughs> it it was it was fast it had it had stuff done to it and and that's man, amazing I, I let those, those guys that was giving me a hard time i let them have it a little bit yeah they say success <laughs> is the best revenge yeah. so you pulled and it up so, successful. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the coolest guy at that time or the he had an iroc z you probably remember those you know yeah my personalized tags a diroc on the back of <laughs> so i let them have that's it a little amazing. bit <laughs> So, so you're today, let's fast forward to today and then okay. we'll talk about how you got here. Okay. Tell me a little bit about Rusty's TV and movie car museum. Uh, the, I had a lot of this stuff at my house. I had a general Lee years ago and, you know, I figured out real fast that, uh, there could be a $500,000 Ferrari sitting there and they would walk past it to see that orange charger, you know, so uh, I, I could tell the attraction to that type of stuff early and so i just got one got another one and it, it started out as car clubs wanting to come out to the house and look at the stuff and you know having picnics and and so i thought well why not try to get them where people could because one day i was just sitting there working on something this bmw pulls up with out-of-state tags and i they said uh are you the guy with all the movie cars you know and i said yeah and they said, can we look? And I said, sure, you know, and I showed them around and I said, Hi. you could, it was kind of the beginning of internet boards and stuff. And they had just searched it out and found me, you know, and I thought, well, if people that are that interesting, I'd like to have. And so I've started looking, found the building and fixed it up. It's been about 10 years ago, been open about 10 years and uh, put them where people could actually stop and look at the cars, you know. So you found, I noticed, um, 
I noticed on Facebook you posted uh, a note, I'm assuming is from your teacher when you were little, that said <laughs> Rusty could do better work if he would quit playing. Yeah. <laughs> but you actually found a way to both work and play yeah. all at the same time. What are what are some of the cars that you have in the museum? Uh, and I had to swap out right now. I just got the the building next door, so I'll be able to expand it put most of the cars I have in there but so and it's an, it's an old Wonder Bread building. Yeah, it was built for Wonder Bread uh in the 50s uh and it's a really cool art deco. I like round I like that style building, you know, it was it was really cool and that that was an attraction to me, but as far as the cars in there, I've got your I always keep your basics, you know, the Batmobile, uh Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Fast and Furious. Uh, over probably over half of them are the screen used cars uh like I said, the Fast and I, I got really lucky. I've got Paul Walker's. I got three of his cars, but I've got the very first car that he drove in in the Fast and Furious series. I got his Green Eclipse, and that's probably one of the bigger draws. And I, I just got is I searched the car out. I probably had that car mm, probably twelve years, and uh, once he got killed in that car wreck, I've had every museum you could think of want to buy it, you know, but. I know if it ever left, I'd never get it back. So it's a really cool car. And I've got a Skyline from the fourth movie. And I've got another car of his from the first movie too, but it's the green screen car. It was made for when he sat in it, uh, they could bolt it to, it was called a McRig to film him driving and film green screen scenes. So he probably sat in that car more than he sat in anything, but it's 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 a called a book, a process book, you know, and I got it. It's not in the museum, but I thought it would, you know, that's when I get more room, it'd be really cool for people to actually see how something's filmed, you know. Oh, yeah. What about, uh, do you have any of the artifacts that go with the cars? That, I've got, you know? uh, as far as Ghostbusters, I've got, there's hard to get anything from the ghost, the early Ghostbusters, but I got a, a Ecto-1 replica because Sony never sold the real car. They still have it, but as far as artifacts, I've got the manhole cover when the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man walks down the street. The manhole, <laughs> I got one of the manhole covers. Yeah. Uh, one of the only things I've ever had stolen from me is, man, it's just so, it, and I think it happened at my house rather than at the museum. I had, if you're familiar with Ghostbuster, I had the original sketch of Lord Vigo and, uh, and it, it come up missing, but oh wow, it's it was a really cool piece. Uh, I've got one of Kurt Russell's jackets. I've got, uh, from the Green Hornet, I got Christoph Waltz's red suit. From that movie, I've got Ice Cube's L.A. Raiders hat from Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> I've got uh, I've got lots of like props too, you know. Yeah. Uh, Gremlins, uh, Pee Wee Herman. I've got I got a bike. I've got I've got some bicycles from a movie called Rad. It's a really cool '80s movie. Just You've got the, I, I remember the Beverly Hillbillies uh, truck. Yeah, I've got you know I've got it, and it's a replica. And if anybody, I always tell them if you want to see the real truck, it's at the Ralph Foster Museum. It's the Museum of the Ozarks. Mm. Uh, it's a college-run museum, and that car was given to them when the show. They thought there's only one too. They thought ah, we're just trying to get rid of stuff back when that like late '60s, '70s. It's probably worth more than the town it's sitting in now because there's just <laughs> one, yeah. one, one truck. It probably is, and. And so and that and that George Barris just seen it sitting on the side of the road and said that looks good for what we're filming. It it wasn't planned or anything, you know. That's just that that truck was sitting on the side of the road. It looked yeah. that bad. What um? So you you um have visitors obviously from all over the world. What what's the what's the farthest away visitor you've had? I, I've had I've had 
I've had every place you can think of. I guess I guess Australia. That's the furthest one you say. Yeah, and yeah. I get I get a lot of Australians, a lot of them. Yeah, they love American music, yeah, and, and of course we're and, on the and they American love, music and believe trail. It, believe it or not, they love car- over there. If you if you search, man, they love cars in Australia. I get I got a lot of I went when before I opened the music. I got an Australian Falcon, an XBGT. That's if you watch the Mad Max movies, that's what Mad Max drives. Mm-hmm. And so years ago, I bought this XBGT because, I don't know, it's probably less than maybe, I don't know. There's not very many many in the States. I'd say less than 10 XBGTs. And that is their cream of the crop muscle car. I didn't know at the time. I was wanting to build a Mad Max car. And uh, it, before Facebook and all this, there was message boards. And I put on there, I want a kit to turn this car into a Mad Max replica. And I've never in my life got so much hate. <laughs> People were like, I can't remember all the bad stuff they wished death on me because I was going to do this. But they take it very seriously yeah. there. And I've gotten several Australian TV shows come to the museum and film car, a car show. Wow, that's yeah, incredible. It's really cool. So, it's, so obviously your idea has been very successful and mm-hmm. it's, been, it's a part of your life now. What, what is it like to be... Um, running a business in a rural, you know, Jackson's not rural, obviously, but we're not the heartbeat of, you know, of any, we're not a major metropolitan city. The lucky part of being in Jackson, Tennessee, is they're going from, they're landing in Nashville or they're landing in Memphis and they're going between, they're renting a car and they're going to one or the other. When they walk through the door and they're not from here, I I say, you're headed to Memphis or Nashville. That's what comes out of my mouth because more likely that's what they're doing. And so I'm lucky that people say, you know, why right there, which is five minutes from my house is one reason it's right there. And, and Jackson, downtown Jackson right now is really, they're trying to, to change it, you know, the lift and everything. And if you walk out of my front door and walk over a block, you're to the edge of where they're re- revitalizing, you know, Lambeth campus and everything. So I'm, I think eventually it's going to come and, you know, take in Hollywood drive, but it's straight to the interstate. You get off on the exit 79, it's three miles right to my front door. You don't have to make a turn. I'm lucky of that, too. And at, when I first done it, I mean, I'm not trying to – it was somebody from, uh, I think, Graceland at the time that was on a tour. I said, I worry about, you know, you know, they're fixing up. And she goes, you ever drove down to Graceland? You know, this is, you know, don't worry. You know, if they want to see you, they're going to come see you. So – and it's – Eventually, it's picking up a little at a time, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you: Are you seeing growth in yeah, your yeah. in your number uh, of visitors? The, and it, and the, I have no. This is all out of out of my pocket. This is no. This is no government grants. This is no anything. This is, and so my advertising is TripAdvisor, Road Trippers, Roadside America. But uh, you know, this past weekend I had. It's nothing compared to big ones, but if you ask some of the smaller ones, like. 200 people, you know, and I'm just open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, that's a, for this time of year, you know, still cold and everything until vacation, you know, that's that's a good number for me. Are you looking to expand in, in the summertime? Are you open yeah, more? Uh, well, I would love to, but it's just, this is a hobby and love, you know. Uh, if I had help, yeah, you know, maybe, and I, I've looked into maybe some volunteers or something, but it's hard. I want everybody to have a the 
a good experience. You know, I look on TripAdvisor and people I think enjoy talking about the stuff as much as they seeing it. And I try to give a tour to every every group that comes through, every family that comes through me or my my cousin that helps me tries to give them a tour, you know, and tell them about each car. Yeah, and, I came through years ago, and it's and it's hard. It's hard, you know. It's amazing, but so that that's that's one of the selling points of the museum is people like to that personal touch, you know, so being small, it's not bad because it seems like they take more from it. You know, you can give right. a, give them a little piece of you, you know, too. You're putting on a show for them. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is I think, uh, the, the thing that you have going for you is the uniqueness, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the personal touch. And it's just, it's an experience that you can't get anywhere else in the and, world. And just like discover park of America, uh, it's not on I 40. I'm not, you know, People say, why here? I say, well, if they come to me, it's because they're interested and they want, they're interested in learning and they want to see it. You know, if I was sitting at Branson or Gatlinburg, it's just something, hey, let's walk through here. There's something new. They're coming because they want to. And it, it's a different, you're getting a different kind of customer. It's because they want to be there. They want to learn. They want to see it. You know, they're really interested. It's not like dragging their feet walking through. Just, just to waste time, you know. So that's it's a different type of customer you're getting in that kind of spot, you know. So what what car got away? What car did you uh, almost get? Uh, I, and there's been probably one of the worst mistakes I made is uh, Vin Diesel's black Charger from Bass and Furious. I could have bought bought one of those and just stupid for not doing it. Now looking back, golly! But at that time, I didn't have the museum. It was just a hobby you know of i had the green eclipse so i thought ah. but it's a good one that's a really you know good car to have if you had it it's a draw you know any of the fast and furious stuff early stuff i got really really lucky getting the cars i got just i was just nowadays it's it's hard to get it unless you want to really pay you know what um what cars do you have your eyes on what what do you hope you get I would love to have a Gone in 60 Seconds Eleanor, you know. Uh, I try to get stuff that you don't have to – people ask what you want. I try to get stuff that you don't have to explain. That's – in the movie car business, some of these other museums, you know, they'll and people try to sell you stuff or people call. I get people call and try to sell me stuff all the time. <clears throat> and it's – you want the things that you don't have to say what it is. You know, when they look at it, you know, and not everybody's going to know, like, all the cars in my museum, but you get certain people, that's their favorite, or this one over here. Quentin Tarantino fans, they like this car, you know. So, but when they see it, you know, I know right then that they know what it is, and that's what I kind of go for. But I would love to have a family truckster from vacation. <laughs> um, just a, there's a few that I would like to have, but, you know, it's that, like that Gone in 60 Seconds Mustang, you're not – you know, when it come out the movie theater, it wasn't the biggest hit, but for, among car people it was. But man, the the effect that that movie—you wouldn't believe the effect that movie has on prices to this day. That movie is probably two thousand. A pile of crap, sixty-seven or sixty-eight Mustang Fastback, because that movie is going to cost you ten thousand dollars for just a pile of junk because of that movie right now. Uh, so you've got you've got you've got your you've got your museum and you've got cars stored somewhere else I've got, I've, I've waiting. Got a, I've got a I've probably got about twenty or thirty more movie TV cars. Then I got just a bunch of old stuff too. I got probably another 
20 or 30 just old cars. Man, yeah. you, you, you love cars, right? Uh, it's a mental, yeah. a mental disorder. <laughs> what I, That's amazing. You're like Jay Leno. It was, and my dad, you know, and, and for one thing I want to make for sure that if you don't get anything out of this podcast, none of this would be possible without my parents, my dad, my mom, you know, my dad passed away in 07, but none of it, every bit of it is because of them, because of my dad was, my mom, my dad was smart, way ahead of his time, didn't graduate eighth grade education, but, but just smart. And he couldn't have done it without my mom. He couldn't have done what he done if she wasn't here helping him, supporting him. And what'd he do for a living? Uh, he he had a plumbing company, but rental property was just, you know, he was just so far ahead of, you know, you see all these TV shows now, but he, he was, you know, now you see every on every corner, I buy timber. Well, dad was buying the, the farms, selling the timber, getting the farm for free in the houses, you know, mm. by the time he sold the timber off of them. But he was just way ahead. So he was the, an early entrepreneur, a, a rural entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he didn't, you know, he wanted to like, um, as far as dealing in rental property, he wanted the stuff that was in communities and he wanted houses. He didn't want apartments. He didn't want duplexes. He didn't want, he wanted where a kid could pull up in a school bus and get off. And he, it was his home. It wasn't a stepping stone, you know? So he was, you know, just way ahead of his, uh, all that. So, and, 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 None of that would have none of this museum without that, without him. And he loved cars too. And, and it like just like the story about him getting me the Mustang. He he didn't like you you know, he would work me to death, you know, getting if I, I had a choice of riding a school bus home and getting home and, and getting out of school at three thirty and maybe getting home by five o'clock or him picking me up and me working my way home. So, and you'd get home about the same time, but but he loved to work. I mean, he loved to work. So yeah, that's amazing. What a legacy he left behind. He was uh, really, and you know, nobody. I've never heard anybody say anything. You know, he just he didn't care what pay grade you was, you know, or anything. If you've seen him, you probably didn't think he had two nickels to rub together. If you seen him walking around, you <laughs> yeah, know, it's just just him. You know, he just. Just a good guy. And he did he live long enough to see the museum? No, and- he 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 was there for because the, the at the house we've got like a old town, kind of like y'all's deal. You know, it looks like the fronts look like old, like an old western town, but inside are are garages. And he was there for like we had we had lots we had hundreds of people would come. You know, just open it up to the public every once in a while or have car. And he was there for all that, you know. And I tell the story, you know, uh, he was a uh, a guy come up to me. And he said, uh, he said, I met your. I was check reading the meters, you know, on the buildings. And I said, is there cars in here? And he said, your dad took me through there, and you know, and told me about everything. And you know, he said, I really enjoyed that. I said, he got as much enjoyment doing that as you did. I promise you, you know, you know. That's incredible. And so now you do the same thing with guests who come here. I, I can tell that, and from what I've heard, you enjoy the people coming yeah, to see that, your cars. and you get to meet so many different – and I'll tell you, I, I got a couple of funny stories about the museum, but this past weekend, I told the guy when he come through the door, he was from Slovenia. He was drinking a beer. Mm-hmm. 
he come in like just full blown. He, he was smelling pretty, but he was drinking a beer. I said, you are the first person to ever walk in this business drinking a beer. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> did he enjoy his tour? Oh, he did. Yeah. They were, and you know, like you said, a lot of these foreign countries, they love American cars, you know, you know, it's a, it's just a big, and the car, a, a car is like a, your key to freedom when you're 16, you know, I guess, you know, I, it affects people. Some people don't understand. I say, hey, you look, there's TV channels dedicated to cars. I mean, you know, there's, you can't hardly turn the TV on without something to do with a car. You know, it's a big part of people's lives. Well, movies and entertainment too. And International and movies folks, and, they yeah. love American oh, yeah. entertainment. I bet you're fun to watch uh, movies with. You yeah, you spot yeah. all the oh yeah all the cars. All the, don't well, you? well, I I love one liners anyway too. I was, I was talking about the you know having the NASCAR display, and I said, you know, Ricky Bobby, <laughs> man, so many one liners. Yeah, if you want to hear, I want to tell this a funny story about the museum in general. Yeah, and you might have heard this one, but I have this one guy. It seems like. Jackson, Tennessee, not only I think it's a meeting place for online dating. <laughs> I can see when they pull up, you know, uh, it'll be two different counties or two different even states, and they'll get out and they'll talk, you know, and kind of hug or whatever and come in the door. And I say, y'all are on a, you know, dating. Yeah, yeah we're meeting halfway, you know. <laughs> and so I'd have this one guy, still have this one guy, that once a month or whatever, he'll come in, and I had to pretend like I've never met him before. <laughs> he'll have a new new girlfriend or new girl, and I had to pretend, you know. And so he'll come through the museum, and then I'll see people doing the same thing. I say, I'll tell the story. I said, I got this one guy that comes with a different girl every two or three weeks or month, you know, and, and I had to pretend like I don't know him. And I said, but he's not, it's not him. <laughs> and then when they make the t- round and go out the front door, I'll say, I'll see you in about two weeks. <laughs> yeah, see, so there's a whole other service you're providing <laughs> yeah. for the, the dating community oh, of West yeah. Tennessee that, that we didn't even know about. You meet all kinds. Of, it's a really, you know, cool thing to meet different people. So if you weren't, if you weren't running a museum or real estate, what, what would you be doing? I don't know. I would probably still be working on cars, you know. I just love, I got me. I'm a hands-on, never, never. I wasn't a book like the report card you seen. <laughs> I barely made it out alive. I think they felt sorry for me. <laughs> you remember social promotion? Yeah, that's when you're in school with the. You've been in one class so long, you're getting too old to be around those kids, <laughs> and so they let you go into the next. That's one. how you got out. That's, <laughs> that's great. how I got out. They they felt the whim. The, <laughs> hey, but I tell you what that. <laughs> <laughs> the the economics teacher she was she was hard on me I failed I failed the first it was one of those six uh, semester classes I got another one and, <laughs> and so years later I was she called me she said Rusty I've got water running all over my floor because my dad was a plumber you know I said, <laughs> she said please come help me I said you remember that elf you gave me <laughs> she goes yeah I didn't give you anything you didn't deserve <laughs> I said I'll be there in a few minutes. You know? <laughs> You learned early. Yeah. That's and, great. And, and I, another thing, I mean, and then there's like people that, that, that we need everybody, you know, you need people with trades and everything. And, and a lot of people going from high school to college, but my Valley Victoria makes the best little Caesars pizza. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> right, man. Everybody's got to find their, got to find their place. Yeah. Um, so you're expanding. You said you're expanding further into the building that you're in. What, what's going to, what's the vision? Uh, just uh, to get everything, because I have people walk in and say, 
I want to see this car. And I said, well, it's not here right now. I've got it out, you know, so I'm going to try to have it where everybody gets to see the ones. Cause sure enough, I'll have the one I'll take out is the, somebody walk in. I'm here to see Christine or the fall guy truck or something like that. And I said, well, it's or not Herbie. Gonna, you have Herbie. Herbie stay. Herbie's going to stay in there. The one I wished I got Christine, I, I drive her and that's the Stephen King movie. I got a car from Breaking Bad, and I get here lately. I've really got people wanting to see that car, so I'll be glad when I can have everything and not have to disappoint anybody, you know. And so you are located. I wanted to ask you, was it already called Hollywood Drive? Yep, it's okay. Hollywood Drive. So what a coincidence. I know, that and that you, was another thing, you know. Everybody <laughs> said, that you're supposed to be there. And you your know? name is Rusty yep. and Cars, yep. and so it's just, it's all fortuitous. <laughs> it was all meant to be. So Rusty is located at 323 Hollywood Drive in Jackson in the old Wonder Bread building. Um, thank you so much oh, for um, being here with us yeah. today. Uh, you can check out more about Rusty's fascinating museum at Rusty's TV and moviecars.com. That's right. Um, it's an incredible place if you're going to be anywhere near. And I bet there's a lot of people in Jackson who've never, who've never visited. That's, uh, tourism uh, is a funny thing. You know, your local town, you hardly, you know, I have people say, I'm. I can't tell you when the last time I went to Casey Jones Village, you know, to the train museum. It's, it's, local people, it's just... That's right. It's hard to get locals to, hard to, to get locals visit. to do it. You know, most people I see, 90% of them are from somewhere else. Every, everybody needs to go visit Rusty's. I'm telling you, it's a fascinating place. And now to someone who discovers something new every single day, here's Katie Jarvis at Discovery Park of America. Thank you, Scott. And I have now David Heathcott, who is a docent here at Discovery Park of America. David, thank you for being on the podcast today. Uh, glad to be here. And you're going to tell us a little bit about the Titan One missile that we have on display. Uh, yes, I am. Uh, uh, we do have a, a Titan One missile on exhibit. It was a, what we called a free missile, except it cost us a lot of money because by the time uh, everybody that, uh, that had dibs on it uh, decided they didn't want it, 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 it had deteriorated quite a bit. So it required quite a bit of... Uh, of uh, repair and repainting, but I basically want to tell the story about the missile and uh, talk about uh, uh, rocketry in general, and then where the Titan One fits in, and uh, and a few other things. But uh, we have to go back to the Chinese to really get to the ground zero of, of rocketry. The Chinese were pretty much the uh, pioneers in rocketry, and and they they developed solid solid fuels for fireworks and for battle and and so on and so forth. And then, uh, if you move a little uh, forward, a few a uh, few thousand years, then you uh, you come to Robert Goddard, and Robert Goddard was a strong believer in liquid fueled rockets, and he experimented uh, on his own dime. He he hardly had a, a penny to spend, and he had lots of failures, but they learned from them. And then, uh, when World War II broke out, Germany decided to build a a medium range ballistic missile, and the idea was to uh, bombard the British into into surrender and inflict terror on their populace. And so the uh, the Germans actually went and got some of Robert Goddard's patents and and used them in development of the V two. So Werner von Braun was the primary engineer in charge of this. And once again, they had lots of failures. And for, uh, fortunately for us, by the time that they actually got them got the V two to where it was very reliable. Uh, the war, the war had uh, had proceeded to, to push the, them back out of range, so they weren't that useful anymore. But uh, uh, getting to the uh, uh, Titan One uh, in the 1950s, basically the Americans and Russians were in a space race, and the Russians uh, su- succeeded in launching a satellite first, which was Sputnik, and that inflicted just 
absolute terror on the Americans because if you could launch a satellite, you could also launch a bomb. So the, uh, the American program uh, greatly accelerated, and uh, the Atlas missile was, a, was going to be our primary uh, intercontinental ballistic missile, meaning it could, be, it could be fired from the North American continent and land, and land in, in the Soviet Union. But uh, it, was, uh, it was prone to failure, and so the, the Titan I was uh, approved as a, as a backup. And the Titan I uh, was going to be pioneering a lot of things that hadn't been tried before, multiple stages uh, uh, and, and very powerful liquid-fueled rockets. And its uh, development was very tortured, and uh, it spent a long time uh, uh, having problems. Uh, uh, stages wouldn't separate. Uh, upper stage engines wouldn't ignite. Uh, uh, rockets would go out of control and have to be destroyed in flight. And it was so bad that the, that the Air Force actually thought that Martin— uh, uh, Martin Aircraft was uh, not taking this very seriously, so they knuckled down on them, and by 1959, they, they had it reliable enough that they could uh, actually deploy it in service. It had a range of, of 5,500 nautical miles. That's 6,000 and some odd miles. It could, uh, uh, In theory, it could go from, if you launched it in Nashville, it could land in Syria. And then uh, uh, one of its drawbacks that it had was it couldn't be, it couldn't be stored fueled. It, uh, it used liquid uh, Liquid oxygen and uh, and kerosene and liquid oxygen uh, above a temperature of two hundred uh, minus two hundred ninety seven degrees, it would start to boil off into gaseous oxygen, and so you had to wait to to fuel it, and so they would raise it up in the uh, out of the silo and, and start loading the fuel in the oxidizer, and that took about a half hour. And the problem was that in that half hour, uh, Russian Russian missiles could be coming toward where it was, and destroy it on the ground. Uh, it was just a stopgap. It served. Uh, it served until 1964. Our particular missile, the full serial number on it, is uh, 614496, which meant it was built in 1961, the same year I was. I always remember how old it is by that. None of these were ever fired in anger, and uh, that was uh, that was what they were intended for. But it was eventually uh, it was eventually replaced by a a, uh, a successor called the Titan II. And the Titan II didn't have the problem with the liquid oxygen, but it had other problems in that uh, it used what was called a hypergolic fuel, which meant as soon as they combined, they ignited. And that was fine as long as they combined and ignited where they were supposed to. But um, in 1980, an uh, Air Force technician dropped a socket from uh, almost to the top of a missile in a silo in Arkansas. It's about 100 and, 104 miles from Discovery Park as the crow flies. Unfortunately, the, the, the wayward socket punched a hole in a fuel tank, and this was very toxic fuel, very toxic, very corrosive, and uh, the missile actually depended on the pressure of the fuel tanks in order to keep its structural strength. And so uh, they didn't know what to do, and they, they eventually abandoned the silo, and, uh, and after several hours of venting fuel, the, uh, the missile collapsed in on itself, and the, the fuel and oxidizer combined, and there was a massive explosion, which blew t- uh, two 740-ton blast doors uh, several hundred yards, and it also launched the the warhead. And the warhead, thankfully, did not explode because the explosion was so violent that it, it destroyed the electronics that would have ignited it. And so a, a man was killed, and, and dozens were hurt. And uh, and it was a uh, it was a very sobering lesson in the power of uh, of uh, our uh, nuclear arsenal. Wow. Well, thank you so much, David, for all of this information and the history of it. Is there anything else you want to share about the Titan One missile? Well. Um, it's uh it's fortunate in that uh, it uh, ours survived by by just pure luck because it uh, 
it wasn't powerful enough to really launch a satellite. And uh, a lot of the Titan IIs, there's only one left now. They were, uh, they were used to uh, launch uh, uh, Gemini capsules, which were manned capsules, and they were also uh, used to launch uh, lots of payloads uh, into orbit. But because the, the Saturn I had what they called so little throw weight, it, it, they, they just kind of slid them off to the side and forgot about them. There's still quite a few left out there. And that was how we got ours. It was just kind of discarded somewhere and, until somebody wanted it, which was us. Do you know where we found the Titan One missile? I understand it was in the uh, in the back uh, the backfield at uh, at the Rocket Center at Huntsville. I think that's right. I think that's what I've been told. So you must be right. Well, thank you again, David, for being here on the podcast. And I know I've learned a lot about the Titan One missile. And people can come out to Discovery Park of America, and you can launch the missile, if you will, and then also see a lot of different uh, military artifacts and also um, different NASA patches and things in our STEM landing. So again, thank you, David. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Real Foot Forward. If you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you may be listening. Plan your own adventure to see beyond at Discovery Park of America by visiting discoveryparkofamerica.com. Be sure to also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates. Mm-hmm.